This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. This is Merrick Brave with the Black and Brave Wrestling Academy, and you are listening to Top Rope Nation. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time! Oh, no. Oh, yeah! I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah! Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it! It's the best thing going today. Well, it's uh, five hours later, and AEW All Out 2020 is in the books. We're here to talk about it. It's going to be a late night. This is Ryan Drosty of ComicBook.com here with episode 172 of Top Rope Nation. And I am joined by three sidekicks tonight, one of whom, longtime listeners know, Mr. Kyle Ross out in Cleveland, Ohio. Kyle, how are you doing after this marathon of professional wrestling? How come I always get the bad ones? <laughs> what do you mean on the post shows or yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, like no, I mean like you know the bad pay per views to review. I, I yeah, feel... you weren't you weren't with us on SummerSlam. That's right. That's true. I feel like you know, man, why couldn't we? I'd be why couldn't the podcast industry exist on like March 29th, 1987, You know, <laughs> you know, I feel like we've been pretty. Uh... We've been kind of hard on WWE until the last couple of weeks, and then we really praised their last couple pay per view offerings. Yeah, but, but their and, uh, <laughs> their TV sub their TV subsequently stunk right after those, so that's okay. <laughs> right, that, that is very true. Um, and we've been very high on AEW, but I have a feeling things might flip tonight. We'll see. We'll see how this discussion goes. And uh, like I mentioned, we're joined by I am joined by three people. So there's Kyle, and we got two people on the line making their Top Rope Nation debuts. Uh, Both of these guys are proud patrons of the show. They've been great supporters of ours for years, actually. And uh, I wanted to give both of them a proper introduction. The first one I'm going to throw it to, I met this man uh, just over a year ago at the Tragos Thez Wrestling Hall of Fame here in Iowa. He is a very hardcore wrestling fan, a very smart fan. We talk all the time. Uh, I think since we met last July, he's tuned into every single edition of Top Rope Nation. He always has some feedback on the shows for us. He's a massive Brett the Hitman Hart fan, 
And I was really looking forward to getting together with him this summer. And then because of the pandemic, the Tragos Thez Hall of Fame got canceled. But looking forward to the future. And I'm really glad we could have him here on the show with us tonight. So, Mr. Ryan Huffman, welcome to Top Rope Nation. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, Really excited to be here. Uh, Finally talk some wrestling with you guys online here. Absolutely. Pumped to have you. We're going to have a great discussion tonight, I think, on, on what went down here on AEW. And our other guest, I have known him since 2003, almost as long as our friend Mr. Justin Joint, who uh, was not able to join us tonight due to family commitments, which is understandable. Justin will be back with us later this week. But this guy, we have watched countless pay-per-views together. We have traveled to WrestleMania together back in 2006. Uh, one of my longest friends, and to be honest with you, I, I didn't clear any of this with him before we went on the air tonight, but I, I got to tell you guys, I've, I've talked about my history in covering wrestling in the past and uh, you know what, what I've done in the industry here and there, and uh, around 2014, I had kind of fallen out of covering wrestling, and to tell you the truth... Tim Jensen, who I'm about to welcome to the show, was one of the people that really got me back into it. You know, he told me he had always enjoyed my writing on professional wrestling and I should get back into it. And when I launched Top Rope Press, he was very, very helpful in designing the logo for the website. Uh, and when we launched this podcast, Top Rope Nation, Tim was kind enough to give us his talents in designing the podcast logo. So when you guys see our logo there on your podcasting apps or when you look at the t-shirts that we put out, this is the man behind those great designs. Longtime supporter of the show, my good friend, Tim Jensen. Welcome to Top Rope Nation. Well, thank you for having me. I'm a little stunned by that, so... (laughs) Hey, man, you deserve the nice introduction. I was thinking all night, how am I going to introduce this guy? Because like I said, you've been a good, good friend of mine for a long, long time. And I'm I mean, really excited I, to have I, you on I the show. I can't take credit for the logo. I mean, that was your inspiration. And I just, you know, carried it across the finish line. So, Well, I had the idea, but I could have never put it together without you. And, and you you put the uh, the computer to work and, and made that design. So I really appreciate it. Man, Ryan never lobs a softball like that to anybody. And we get that kind of modest response. Thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even given Kyle an introduction that nice on this show. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure you have. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So, guys, uh, as you all know, Kyle obviously knows from being involved with the show, and you you guys, uh, Ryan and, and Tim, you hear all the pay-per-view post shows. What we like to do right off the bat is kind of grade the show on the A through F scale. How would you grade AEW All Out? Um I'll tell you guys how the Twitter poll goes after we give our own personal grades. Uh, for me, I'm going to give this show, oof, I'm going to give it a C minus. I thought there was some, there were some good parts of the show that had me entertained, but overall it was just way too long. I mean, almost when you count the, when you count the pre-show five hours of wrestling, I love pro wrestling, but that is just too, too much. I know they're only giving us pay-per-views every quarter, but still, this was kind of a slog to get through. So I'm going C minus. What about you, Kyle? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I voted in our poll. I gave it a C as a C minus was not an option, but uh, yes. C minus seems fair. <laughs> I cheated. Yeah. And, you know, the length, I'm sure that's something the four of us are going to get into uh, a lot here in this telecast. But look, going four hours on a pay-per-view proper is never really a good idea. But going almost four hours 
when the pay-per-view is not good, that's always a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, what about you, Mr. Huffman? What would you grade AEW all out? Yeah, I'm going to have to kind of stick with you guys. I'm thinking about a C. I just thought way, way too long um, for what it, for what it really was. And we're not trying to be haters. I mean, I got to say, we were all very excited for this show. I know myself and Huffman and Tim, we were we were texting each other. I mean, you guys sent me the screenshots when you ordered the show. You were ready to go. But uh, I think we're being fair and honest here on, on what we saw tonight. Tim Jensen, what would you grade the show? Yeah, I'd probably say somewhere in the C, C-plus range. It's probably the weakest AEW show or pay-per-view show to date. I'll co-sign yeah. that. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, our listeners are right on with us. I, I put the poll up 20 minutes ago at Top Rope Nation on Twitter. 124 votes. 35% are at a C right now. Uh, 21% at a D or an F. Oof. 27% at a B. And uh, 17% at an A. So, yeah, C is running away with it. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty close to where we're at. So... We're going to break it down. We're going to break down the highs and the lows of what we saw out of Jacksonville tonight from All Elite Wrestling. Before we do, get the housekeeping out of the way. Of course, we are members, Top Rope Nation, of the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. Check out bluewirepods.com for all of your podcasting needs. We've got shows on the NBA, the NFL, which is coming back next weekend, NHL, MLB, movies, wrestling. There's other great wrestling shows on Blue Wire Pods as well. Check them all out, and while you're there, subscribe. Whatever podcasting platform you're listening to Top Rope Nation on, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, we're on every single one of them, as well as TopRopeNation.com. If you go to TopRopeNation.com, you can also find links to our merchandise page over at Spreadshirt and Pro Wrestling Tees, and of course, as I mentioned, Tim and Ryan are members of our Patreon page. Check out patreon.com slash Nation. Find out how you can become a patron of the show. With that, you get a free gift in the mail and bonus content like episodes of Top Rope Nation Classics where we go back and we review old shows. We've got a new one coming at you very soon. We will be reviewing. I've got to make a correction here. No longer is it going to be Saturday night's main event. We're actually going to be reviewing, Kyle, Tuesday in Texas. WWF Tuesday in Texas. That should be hitting the feeds. Within the next week or so is the goal. If you want to hear that full show, it's a it's a uh, Patreon exclusive. Head on over to patreon.com slash Nation and read up on uh, how you can get access to that and all the uh, 20 bonus shows we have done in the past. I'm about... More than halfway through watching that, Ryan, mm-hmm. and I can warn you ahead of time, my show, my notes are very long. <laughs> That's almost what I like as to long, hear. Almost as long as the show is the uh, all out tonight. Well, that pay-per-view was only, what, an hour and a half or something yep. like that? Yeah. So it's not going to take long for us to uh, recap it, probably, unless we have some in-depth notes like that. But there's not a lot of matches to talk about, but there's some deep stories that were going on behind the scenes and uh, with the matches itself. So I'm really, really looking forward to that one. Should be a lot of fun. Look forward to that. In the days ahead, we will be posting a teaser on our regular podcast feeds uh, so you can get a taste of what Top Rope Nation Classics is all about. I got like a page on British Bulldog Word Alert alone. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I am all of a sudden a lot more excited to do this show than I was, and I was already excited, so I'll be looking forward to that one. 
Um, guys, where should we start? I mean, do we want to start with the main event? Do we want to start about the best matches? Uh, Kyle, any ideas here? Yeah, I have an idea where to start. If, okay. you, if you're looking for an idea. I'm, I'm going to throw it to you, yeah. Okay, so the main event of the show was good. Uh, that was the pleasant surprise uh, on our Facebook group, which we talk about a lot on this show now. Uh, one of my big question marks coming into this show was, is a main event that had what was, in my opinion, subpar build, John Moxley, MJF, outside of the contract signing, it just didn't do it, the build just didn't do it for me. Could that deliver and be worthy of a pay-per-view main event? Well, I actually think it was worthy of being called a pay-per-view main event world title match. Um, mm -hmm. It was the best thing on the show, quite frankly. Uh, I had some concerns over how this card was constructed. We can go through uh, different issues uh, here in the show. But the key to this pay-per-view and what it's going to be remembered for is the Matt Hardy injury and how that was handled. And I don't think the show ever recovered, quite frankly, from that. 100% agree. That part of the show kind of took me out of it for pretty much the rest of the broadcast, to be honest with you. I mean, I was in it here and there after that, but that, it seemed not even just for me watching at home, but even that limited live crowd they had there, they lost a lot of steam after that. And it just, it seemed to take the wind out of the sails. Now, I know it was really hot there. Uh, for most of the night, I actually checked out, you know, weather.com and all of those sites. The, the feels-like temperature was like in the 90s in Jacksonville, uh, the humidity was in the 80s, and the dew point was like 76 degrees. So oh. it was very tropical. Yeah. Oh. Very tropical. Uh, giving us the dew point there, are you? And yes, <laughs> and for the record, I got a very uh, similar uh, text from our own resident Florida man, fan of the show, Chad. He's like, by the way, just so you know, it is so hot outside here today. He, he lives like an hour from Daly's Place or something. Oh, wow. um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that was the issue. Or what, but yeah, um, I don't think you can blame the heat for how the Matt Hardy situation was handled, though. Oh, no. Should we just start with that match? I mean, that's the one that's, uh, we don't have to go in order here. That's that's the one that got a lot of attention. I know yes. I was covering the show over on Comic Book, as I usually do, and uh, the editors really wanted us to to hit on that one with fan reactions to that one. And uh, so, if, so if you're tuning in for the review and you didn't see the show, or if you did see the show... What basically happened was Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara started uh, their match over at the Jacksonville Jaguars Stadium, TIAA Bank Field, I believe it's called. And uh, they fought through this backstage area over to Daly's place. But while they were backstage, they go up on like this lift and Sammy Guevara speared Matt Hardy off of this lift through a table. But they basically overshot the table. Yeah. And Hardy's head banged off the cement. It was super ugly. It was just difficult to watch. Um, people initially were wondering if this was a shoot or if it was, you know, like a work. And Ryan Huffman, let me let me throw it to you, you here. When you watched this, did you think that this was legitimate or were you thinking this was a work live? Um, I thought just from watching it, I thought it was... Um, I thought it was an actual injury and how they carried it off. And then when they came back to it, I wasn't really sure, but you know, when I, when I saw him actually hit, hit the floor there, uh, it looked, looked pretty rough. So, um, I, I'm going to say an actual injury probably happened there. And, 
uh, probably Matt Hardy just through some uh, communication probably decided he could keep going and, and they just tried to grab it by that. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, uh, what was your initial response to seeing this? It did seem like um, his head hit. And when Aubrey was checking on him, he didn't look like he was all there. So then when they got up and started actually trying to wrestle, you could tell he was completely out of it. Like he was just wobbly and just, yeah. He had that look in his eyes, didn't he? Yeah, like you can just tell like he couldn't keep his balance. His punches were not even in remotely close. Mm -hmm. And I think when they stopped it, it was the right call. But why they kept going... Yeah, yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, you saw referee Aubrey. She threw up the X, and you know we we all know like that's kind of inside lingo, but like everybody knows it now that that's the sign for a legitimate injury. And we've seen specifically with WWE, they've done it where they throw up the X, and it's actually a worked injury. Um, Kyle, were you pretty certain that this was legitimate when it first happened, or what was your initial response? Yeah, I mean, just from the severity of the bump, they replayed it. I'm like, oh my God, mm-hmm. he fell from what? 10, 15 feet? Yeah. And hit his head on the concrete. I mean, just using common sense, it's like, that's going to hurt very badly. And you could kind of tell from his reaction, he was concussed, and the reaction of Aubrey, like Tim mentioned. And so when they threw up the X and kind of just ruled it being over... I was like, okay, he's legit hurt. This is that really sucks, but that's the right thing to do. And then they restarted the match. That's when all of a sudden I, I said, wait a minute, was that a work? Mm-hmm. Like, what are they like? Because it's odd to you know just kind of call it off and then just you know make the call. No, 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 we're restarting. And I know some people are going to say, well, there was a storyline. If Matt lost, he was gone from AEW. Come on, man. Stop you, it. We you, saw his head hit the cement. Yeah. Come on, people. Yeah. I mean, they could have actually worked that and done a more compelling storyline, honestly, if that's how Matt's career ended. There would have been a lot of sympathy. If you're that concerned about the storyline, which should be secondary for the record, and we'll talk about his wife's reaction and and maybe our collective reactions too, but if you're that worried about the storyline, you know, the fact that that's how it's corrected, you can work that. It's like, that's not fair. That's not fair. And eventually you can just come back. It's not like people are going to hold your feet to the fire when it comes to that step if you bring him back. Um, You know, but you cannot allow the athlete to make the decision to continue. You just can't in that situation. I mean, it doesn't happen in the NFL. You know, they take, you know, the trainers take, you know, what do they say? They take the helmet away, right? Mm-hmm. is the old adage. And that's what they needed to do here. They needed to take the helmet away from Matt Hardy. He should not have continued. He certainly uh, should not have engaged in a spot where he and Sammy Guevara climbed up the scaffolding to do another dangerous spot. Yeah. So, yeah, I just thought it was poor form by AW, And I, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet, but Matt's wife, whoo, mm-hmm. was she hot? She posted like a, t- a text thread with him, right? Yes, like... What Jesus, doing, Matt, what are you doing? Why are you continuing? And then she took some heavy shots at AEW for allowing the match to continue. Yeah, yeah. So from what I had heard, uh, basically they worked this spot this weekend. They practiced the spot on at least two occasions with a insured stuntman at one time. So it was pla- it was planned out. It was practiced. It was rehearsed ahead of time. 
Obviously, it did not go as planned. Yeah, I, I just found the tweet that Matt's wife sent out. She said, what the F? You practically cleared that table. What the F? Matt, what the goddamn effing F? <laughs> so, yeah, she was not happy. Uh, I think, like, the general response I was seeing online was that, you know, if this was a work, Matt Hardy, del- he deserves an Oscar. And it wasn't it wasn't a work because we later found out that he was in fact taken to a hospital nearby. So AEW is going to get a lot of criticism for this and rightfully so. Like you said Kyle, to have the guy climbing up uh, this structure on the entranceway after this to throw Sammy through the the table spot, you know, by the entrance, that was very 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 questionable and I know the stipulation about Matt's career is over if he loses, but I mean, my God, it's a real injury. We can work around that some way. And like you said, maybe the storyline could have even been enhanced by it. So not, not a fan of this. And like I said uh, a few minutes ago, this, this really took me out of it. I thought, so, I mean, that's what happened. Um, Matt got the win, I guess, but was it really worth what we went through? I'm I'm gonna have to say no. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of waiting. I'm while we're recording, I'm scrolling because the uh, the press scrum is going on right now, and Tony Khan has not yet come out. I'm I'm waiting to see if we get any comments from him on this. I assume we'll get a photo of him with that classic deer and headlights look that he does gets sometimes when he doesn't like the question. Mm. He's uh he's gonna get some tough questions tonight, okay. I think. And, and you know. This was the exclamation point, a very negative exclamation point, obviously, on a really bad first hour. I thought, well, the Bucks and Jurassic Express was good. Yeah. That, that was good. But, you know, opening the pay-per-view with that tooth and nail deal didn't work. Uh, the Casino Battle Royal had some flaws, too. Mm. Um, had, a, had a notable botch <laughs> as well. At least. Yeah. yeah. So... I, I think, you know, what really, like, hurt this show is that the Matt Hardy concussion was the most severe deal, but the show didn't get off on the right foot, clearly. So we're going to go back and start right at the beginning of the show, but before we do, let's throw a shout-out to our good friends, our sponsors, over at NFL Sunday Ticket and DoorDash. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering's easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Kyle, I don't know if you've used DoorDash, but it is super convenient. me and my family, we like to go out to eat. And of course, during the pandemic, we haven't been doing that. But uh, with a service like DoorDash, we have been able to get food from some of our favorite restaurants still, which has been very nice. Have you used DoorDash, Kyle? I'll tell you something, man. I've always been a drive through guy my yeah. entire years, and I'll, I'll just keep driving through. But no, um, yes, we've used DoorDash before. It's very uh, convenient. Obviously, when you have, and something we should point out, you have kids. Right. Yes. You know, so, sometimes going to these restaurants can be a real hassle. You know, mm-hmm. you forget the tablet. You're just, you can't enjoy your meal. Oh, why not eat at home? Exactly. And, you know, everyone gets sick of cooking. So you got you to eat out. And DoorDash makes it very, very simple. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, even the Cheesecake Factory. Uh, many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. I always like to shop local and support my local eateries. Just open the DoorDash app, 
select your favorite local spot and your food is on its way. So here's a good deal for you guys as listeners of Top Rope Nation. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off, off your order, and zero delivery fees on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app in the App Store, enter the code BLUEWIRE. It's all one word, BLUEWIRE. No delivery charges and $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Great deal. Check it out. Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Let's rewind. Let's go back to the start of the show in that first match that you mentioned. So <laughs> they they opened the show with the aforementioned Britt Baker, Big Swole, tooth and nail match. Um, Ryan Huffman, what did you make of this one? You know, coming off of uh, SummerSlam, I've, I've already had enough of the uh, body part matches, you know, going to WWE, the eye for an eye, and now we're going a tooth and nail match. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't like it at all. I didn't think that was a real good way to start off the show uh, personally, but um, I didn't like the, uh, I'm losing her name, but the yelling you stabbed her. I thought that was... Uh, oh, a pretty rebel. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was yeah. kind of a Reba. Uh, yeah. 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 And that's also the strongest Novocaine I've ever seen, but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no quick working, but yeah, the, the, again, too, too close to the eye for an eye match. So I, I didn't like it. Yeah. And Tim, I know this is when you and I were kind of testing your equipment for the podcast tonight. Uh, so I don't, I don't know how much of this you saw. You have anything to add on this one? No, we were too busy sorting out all the technical <laughs> issues, so I missed comp- this match entirely. Which, yeah. from the sounds of it, I didn't miss anything. You you did not miss much. It was uh... though the match is a nice tribute to Dokken. <laughs> yeah, you know, I hate going to the dentist. I've spent way too much time going to the dentist lately for certain reasons, and my God, I mean. This was the last thing I wanted to see. I mean, they could have they could have made it entertaining, I guess, but like it just was so flat, and it's not the way you want to start a pay per view, Kyle. No, all right, now I'm going to go on a rant, okay? And it may get some people upset. And Ryan Drosty, you know that I've never given a damn about that. Oh, I'm going to mark sh- the timestamp here, and where I got to edit this show. Here we go. Well, I better grab my popcorn. <laughs> here we go. AEW should have stuck to its guns and kept this on the buy-in. Hard they, to disagree. Yeah. They cave to people, and I don't want to mention any names, but there were people, you know, getting the dirty diapers during the week. Oh, this is the only match I was looking forward to, and I guess they just don't care about women's wrestling. Stop it. Stop it. You're wrong. This, you set this match up to fail. Oh, especially in this Being spot. Fans, yeah. In this spot, and you could say, well, they didn't have to put it on as the opener. This was just like a... 1999-2000 hardcore match, you'd say, on Raw. 
there was nothing wrong with it per se. It was basically what it should have been almost, right? Like, I don't know what you're going to expect. I mean, they announced, you know, people are going to wrestle to dentist's office. What are you expecting? It's not going to be, you know, Gotch Hackenschmidt for crying out loud. So <laughs> Gotch Hackenschmidt might have been more entertaining to be yeah, honest. So with you, but. It, this was fine. I mean, but it was something that would have been fun at the show. Opening up the pay per view, it just it made no sense. And I've got a I'm going to watch my word selection here because I don't want to come across as crass or mean spirited. But there seems to be this mentality among a modern fan where something can't be enjoyed unless if the promotion like affirms it for you Mm -hmm. and i think that's stupid to be blunt like i loved lord steven regal okay in mid-90s wcw i loved art anderson at no point should these men have been world champions okay maybe that's not an apples to oranges debate but or an apples to apples uh, situation. But my point is, there's lots of matches, and I'm sure the three of you can think of examples yourselves, that I've really liked, but they didn't need to be presented as this like important thing by the promotion. I can just enjoy them for what they are. I can pers- like, you know, I arguing about the pre-show is a very tired thing, in my opinion, in 2020 wrestling fandom. And this, and to me, when people, again, the length is going to be a criticism of the show, not just from us, but from a lot of places. Well, you know, they had to add this onto it because people were whining and fapping. (laughs) So, you know, there you go. Yeah. My notes on this match, I didn't write down a whole lot. Um, It's a... (laughs) I say, uh, Baker diploma shot to Swall that looked pretty weak to start the match. Like, she barely swung the thing. And then uh, my final line of my note says, not a great start to the pay-per-view syringe and gas for the finish. <laughs> that well, says it all, right? Yeah. Uh, and and I, you know, I should point this out, too. Uh, based on JR's commentary, or rather lack thereof during this match, I assume he was not one of the people politicking to get this tooth and nail match on the pay-per-view <laughs> proper. I mean, he just shut up. During this, that was un- incredible. He literally did, didn't say a word. Did you notice that it seemed like throughout the show, Jr. and Excalibur were like going back and forth on doing play-by-play? It seemed like Jr. would just kind of like drop off, and then Excalibur would just kind of pick up. Did you notice yes. that? I know, I know, I know. You weren't a big fan of Jr.'s performance tonight. Uh, and I, it was just like really noticeable. Like I remember at one point I was just sitting there watching all of a sudden I'm like, wait, is Excalibur doing all the play by play? And he was calling out all the spots and it was very bizarre. JR was quite simply not in storytelling mode tonight. I, I Ryan, I, I assume that was in my direction. When you said you weren't a fan of his work. Yeah, and I wasn't, yeah. I thought, I thought he was atrocious tonight. Look, he's been on the show. God bless him. We got a lot of downloads when he was on the show. I thought yeah. he did a great interview. This was not a good night for Jim Ross. It wasn't even that good for Tony Schiavone, quite frankly, either. Um, they, they just were not engaged in the matches whatsoever. And, you know, to their defense, too. I mean, they're sitting out there in this, what, 80-some percent humidity in those suit jackets. Couldn't have been comfortable. I know JR just moved to Jacksonville as well. He just got a condo condo down there. So I don't know if he's been, you know, moving stuff around the new place and he was tired. But 
Something was off tonight, for yeah. sure. And, and his commentary was bad, separate from the Anna Jay comment, which was is better left untouched. Yeah, that was not. And he he actually went on Twitter to tweet an apology about that. Yeah, and then stuck his tongue out with an emoji, which I don't know <laughs> if that was the correct emoji to use in that situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it wasn't the greatest start to the show for sure. I mean, we've we've talked about Britt Baker on the show. She's great. Before. We love Britt Baker, but this just wasn't the best use of her. And, it, and, yeah, it was a throwaway deal. You don't open pay per views with throwaway deals. No, there's no I don't think there's any way this could have succeeded in that position. This was this was made for a pre-show, to be honest. It really was, and they should have kept it there. So they followed that up with the the match that Kyle mentioned was pretty good, the Jurassic Express match, uh being Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus against the Young Bucks. I thought watching this one, uh, Jungle Boy really shined. Um Huffman. Ryan Huffman, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think Jungle Boy came off as uh, kind of the star of this match. Um, you know, Young Bucks over the years for me, um, anytime they're in a match, it's it's usually a pretty good performance. But yeah, kind of been a Jungle Boy week for me. Uh, he was featured in a documentary that I watched earlier this week and um, starting to become a pretty big fan of of his work. So pretty talented kid. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we were still doing the uh, the technical practice for the podcast at this point, Tim. So you probably missed this one. You're you're gonna go back and watch it. I was kind of going back and forth watching it as I was talking to you. But uh, uh, yeah, Kyle, you were a big fan of this one. Yeah, it was a good match. Um, it was tough going in because there was no real backstory, right? They right. the two teams win an eight man on Dynamite Wednesday, and it's like, okay, well now you'll wrestle in the pay per view. Yeah, I was like, eh, is that the best use of the Young Bucks? Uh, but they made it work. I agree with all of you guys. Jungle Boy was tremendous in this. Uh, interesting kind of tidbit on the other side. Luchasaurus seems to have regressed in the ring since his injury. Yes. I saw a lot of people commenting on that on Twitter. Yeah. And going back to the glass half full, I'd like to see Jungle Boy win a lot. Uh, or win more, I should say. Moving forward, because I think we all agree, not just on this show, but, you know, fans online and whomever else, that this guy's got talent. But he needs to win more. Because right now he's a guy who, you know, typically loses to stars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he took the pinfall in this match. Uh, double super kick from the Bucks for the finish. But he did come away, like we said, kind of kind of looking like a, a breakout performer tonight. I, I've been a fan of his performances at this point, and I'm looking forward to the future and what that should hold for him. I do want to say too, I saw this pointed out. You know, you look at the All Out poster, or the, I mean, the All In poster two years ago. And it featured, of course, the Bucks and Cody on it. You fast forward two years to All Out, and none of those guys were in featured positions on this show. And that's actually a credit to them, right? Because they are trying to build a promotion with other people in featured spots. Uh, Now, we can talk about if they're the right people in featured spots. Maybe we'll get into that kind of discussion here. But... Look, they're not glory hounds. They're not front and center all the time. So even though we're going to be bashing AEW maybe a little bit, it's going to sound like to people throughout this broadcast because we weren't big fans of this pay-per-view. They're certainly like trying to build this company in the right way. You know, Cody Rhodes wasn't even on the show. And the Bucks, as you mentioned, Kyle, they're in this match with hardly any build. And, and two years ago, 
it was those three people that sold out the Sears Center in, in Chicago, Illinois. So uh, I, th- I think they're doing this the right way. I just don't think this was a great show. But I wanted to give them some props for that. I think there's pros and cons to what you just laid out. You're right. They, they have kind of allowed other people to shine, right? I mean, yeah. maybe a more selfish group of individuals say, look, we're the ones who put this promotion together. We're just going to use it as a vehicle to put over ourselves. Mm-hmm. And screw the rest of you. You're just, you know, supporting acts <laughs> in our play. Um, I do think moving forward, you want Cody and the Bucks more often than not, certainly in prominent positions. Because that they're a big reason why this promotion exists. It doesn't have to be every pay-per-view. Um, but it was something I had my eye on with this card in, in terms of how it was constructed. Not only, you know, Cody wasn't on the show, Bucks are in this match. It, it was kind of crazy that you had that. And maybe it does speak to the depth of the promotion. I mean, because there, there were a lot of other matches that they've been building on TV that didn't even happen. It was just in the Battle Royal. Mm. Right. So speaking of the Battle Royal, that was the next match on the show. Uh, some of these entrants were surprises. 21 entrants altogether. Um, the people in the match will just run down it. This was basically the order they came out in. We had Jack Swagger, Christopher Daniels, Blade, Phoenix, Trent Beretta, Kazarian, Will Hobbs, Chuck Taylor, Santana, Ortiz, Billy Gunn, uh, Pe- formerly Pentagon Jr., who can no longer use that name, so now he's Penta L0M, uh, Ricky Starks, Brian Cage, Darby Allen, Sean Spears, Eddie Kingston, The Butcher, Sonny Kiss, Lance Archer, and then the Joker, the final entrant, was Matt Seidel, who we mentioned a couple of minutes ago had a uh, not-so-great debut in this match, Kyle. He uh, he came out, immediately went for a shooting star press, slipped, landed on his head. It was a super scary-looking yeah. shot. My God. Could have been a lot worse, but uh, not the greatest debut for Matt Seidel. But, uh, yeah, I'm uh, Tim, this is probably the first match that you had a chance to sit down and watch after we got the kinks worked out for the podcast tonight what do you think of this one and their direction with the winner i really wasn't too surprised with the winner i kind of figured it was going to come down to um, lance archer and eddie kingston and the way the finish played out i was almost locked in with uh, the murder hawk yeah yeah, I, I was the same with you. When we did our preview over in Comic Book, it was kind of between those two and picking a winner. And I, I said this on our preview last week. I was kind of thinking that MJF would win initially, but I wasn't super confident in that. I, I think I said on the preview show, if this was a show in front of fans, I probably would have picked MJF. But I think I ended up going with him anyways. And as I looked ahead, I thought, you know, if MJF did win the AEW world title, him and Eddie Kingston could have had some great promos together. Um, but when Lance Archer won, I figured, all right, Moxley's going to keep the title in the main event. And that's an excellent point. Did Do you guys think that telegraphed the finish of the main event? Okay. I do, absolutely. I mean, you get, you get your Wrestle Kingdom rematch. Yeah, Tim. Yeah, so yeah, I texted you. I said, like, there's no way Moxley's losing now. Yeah, you you can't have heel versus heel down the road like that. Yeah, what do you think of this one, Huffman? Yeah, I'd have to agree. I thought it was going to come down to maybe uh, Brian Cage or, or Archer. Um, you know, both of those guys are kind of the big guys of the match. 
Um, I thought it was pretty, pretty fun to watch. I, I enjoy the change up they did with putting the teams uh, as uh, each different suit of cards. Uh, the Darby Allen spot made me cringe a little bit with the, uh, the body mm-hmm. bag and thumbtacks and just kind of like, I, I don't know how you can do that safely, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. that was uh, pretty, pretty tough to watch. And then, uh, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't enjoy Sean Spears on the uh, being the fifth guy on commentary. Personally, <laughs> Kyle's not going to disagree with you on that one. Yeah, that was that was a rather pointless endeavor. Uh, Darby is one of the most over people in the building tonight. Yes, I thought yes. he he got a big pop when he came out. I think that speaks to how they've built this feud with him and Ricky Starks. And I want to go back to this idea of how this card was constructed. You, ha- I wrote about this on the Facebook page, Ryan. You know that. Mm-hmm. There were three feuds that had been built over the course of the last few weeks, or in some case, even longer than that. Uh, Darby and Starks, Cage and Archer, and then Best Friends against Santana Ortiz. All of that was contained within this one battle royal, while you had a lot of multi-man matches elsewhere on the card that didn't really have storylines. Yes, We talked about the Bucks and... The eight-man had a bit of a storyline, but I don't know if it was that strong, really. So, at times, this Battle Royal was compelling. It felt important because you had some of those personal issues contained within it, but at times, it was also messy. And at the end of the day, I think it was just a Battle Royal. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to complain with Lance Archer winning. He was a guy who, I'm not going to say needed to be heated back up, but I think he's worthy of being heated back up. I was definitely rooting for Eddie Kingston at the end. Jake Roberts, by the way. Uh, he's, he's, I don't know. Sometimes I feel he goes into business for himself. I did like the way that they worked in uh, Kingston's Fear of Snakes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was as bad as Andre the Giant. I'll say that's, that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, he, he, had that, he had that Siegfried and Roy tribute shirt on, Jake, though. What was going on with that? <laughs> Yeah, you did. Oh my god, that's great. Yeah, you know something else I liked in this match, and Kyle, this is maybe something that you liked. I don't know about the other two of you, but if you're paying attention, and this happened kind of quickly, um, if you know anything about Jake Hager and his takes on Twitter.com, <laughs> you might have found it interesting that Jake Hager was eliminated by Sunny Kiss. Did you guys notice that? He was, yeah, and I guess I didn't really think about the political ramifications. Uh, I of just that. thought that was, I thought that was pretty great. Uh, just uh, if you follow Jake Hager, he's he's got some. Uh, how, how do I put this to keep it politically correct? Um, he has some very uh, stern views on certain topics, and uh, he's very outspoken about things. So for him to get eliminated by Sunny Kiss, I found that entertaining. Uh, Kiss was then eliminated pretty quickly, like immediately by Brian Cage <laughs> after that, but. I, yeah, I just a, thought that, Jake that, Hager's elimination was uh, well-deserved. That, yes. That's a really WWE-like spot, too, where a guy, you know, babyface gets the surprise elimination. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, my God, wow, I, I'm behind him. And then he just gets eliminated right after. Yeah, yeah. So well, One guy that, you know, caught my attention a little bit in this match was Will Hobbs. Yes. When, to, when he comes out and Tony Schiavone, bless his soul, is like, you know, doing just his, you know, Tony-isms. Oh, here's a big guy that's going to be hard to throw over the top rope. I'm like, God bless you, Tony Schiavone, for trying to sell me on that. And lo and behold, uh, I thought Will Hobbs was kind of one of the underrated uh, pieces of this match. Yeah, he was good. He was good. I liked him. So that was the Battle Royale, and Hardy and Guevara followed that. We've already discussed that. And I think after that messy situation with Hardy and Guevara, 
people were like, all right, we need Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa to come out here and save this show. And to be honest, they had a really, really good match. It was just, for me, it was, it was tough to get into. Like, as I watched it, I just watching it technically, it was like, yeah, this is a good match. But I just had a, such a hard time getting into it after that scary stuff with Matt Hardy. Um, Tim, what did you think of this one? I thought it was a pretty good match. It wasn't what I expected it to be overall, but in general, I'd say it was probably the second best match of the night yeah like it was like i said it was it was a well-worked match it just felt like the i don't know like the energy had been kind of sucked out of the the amphitheater there in jacksonville huffman what what did you think yeah I, i thought it was a good match too but um again like like you were saying following the matt hardy situation uh, it was really tough to get get into into that match. Good, not not to the fault of the performers, but just anytime you have something like that happen, uh, the following match is usually um, you don't you don't take as much maybe interest in it. Yeah, I I mean I really hope they're able to keep Thunder Rosa around. I think she's awesome. She lost the match. Uh, Sheeta won with a running knee, but. I think Thunder Rosa, you know, just bringing her in the NWA Women's Champion to a division that has been really struggling of late. You know, th- I was I was pretty excited to watch this one, and I thought that Thunder Rosa and Hikaru Shida had a, a really good match. It was just too bad the uh, the position that they were placed in. Kyle, yeah, and this was worked very much uh, how you think it would be worked when you have someone from an outside promotion coming in and losing. In that Thunder Rosa was allowed to take a majority of the match. To her credit, she looked good. It wasn't like she was just given the match because she was doing the job. She looked good. It was compelling. Uh, and, of course, she lost. Uh, I don't think there was any <laughs> thought that she w- might could win this match. But, uh, yeah, just what you guys said. It was tough to follow what they had to follow. Uh, so, even the fact that it was good, um, I don't know how how much that will mean in the long term. Uh for AEW's women's division. Yeah. So they follow that one with an eight-man tag, and we we're talking about this one in the Facebook group, uh, Kyle, as it was happening. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of some of the guys in this match, but I just felt like it had way too much time. This was around the, the part of the show where I started to kind of look at the clock, and I'm like, oh, my God, we have, like, three matches left after this. <laughs> that you then, know we're going to get time. Yeah, you know we're going to get a good amount of time, and then this one just... I don't even know what the final timestamp was on it. It probably wasn't as long as it felt like, but I just, I just felt like watching it, it got a lot of time. So this was the Dark Order, Brody Lee, Colt Cabana, uh, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson taking on the Natural Nightmares, QT Marshall, Dustin Rhodes, Scorpio Sky, and Matt Cardona. Um, I thought the best portion of the match was when um, Cardona and Cabana were in there together. And I joked that... Uh, when they were when they were on a rest hold, they were probably chatting about LJN and WWF Hasbro figures. But uh, because because uh, Cabana's been on uh, Cardona's podcast talking about action figure collecting before. But no, seriously, I thought they had the best section of the match. I mean, I thought Cardona looked really good out there. He, he kind of looks a step above some of these guys. Um, and Brody Lee, I just I just don't feel like. He's clicking right now. I don't. I just, I don't like this Dark Order stuff, Kyle. Wow. I don't. Wow. I, I thought they officially turned the page with when 
he won the TNT title from Cody. I thought that was well done. And I thought that was well done. I like that they put him over strong there. I did like that. But I'm just I'm just having a really hard time getting into it. See, I think a lot of the ancillary parts are entertaining. I know there's been some divisiveness online because the personality that these guys within the Dark Order show is typically only done on being the elite. Yeah. And, you know, it's 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 like the 2004 election. You know, John Kerry. Keep going to johnkerry.com. Motherfucker, I don't want to go to johnkerry.com. Just tell me what you're <laughs> going to do right now. You know? The show just took a turn I didn't foresee coming. <laughs> okay. It's like, you know, I, I don't want to have to watch Big Lead necessarily. But if you do, you know these guys can be really entertaining. Yeah. And for the record, I think they're pretty underrated workers, too. A lot. I mean, Silver and Reynolds in that uh, buy-in match were real good. And... Uh, but you're right. I, I just think that this this is when the show started feeling long. And again, it was kind of a thrown together deal, right? I mean, I know the baby faces were trying to all avenge their friends slash brother Cody. I, I don't mm. know how Scorpio Sky fits into that deal. I think they just wanted to get him a spot on the pay per view, but it didn't really have much. And then they were also the finish, of course, was Colt Cabana getting overconfident, missing the moonsault, and losing. Uh, so there's a lot of things kind of going on here. Um, you know, I don't know if beating the Dark Order was the right call because they had some momentum, actually. But I do like the destination, at least Wednesday, I'll say that, with Dustin Rhodes uh, getting a TNT title match against Brody Lee. I think that should be fun. I thought Dustin cut a tremendous promo. I agree with the you match. there. That I am looking forward to. Yes. And, and I mean, Brody, I, t- again, I think like early on coming to AEW, he was really falling flat. I liked the yes, way that... Yes, I will agree with that. I yes. liked the way they put him over strong. I thought what they did with Cody was good. I just, I don't know, just seeing him out here with, with the whole crew and this match, it just didn't click for me. And but yeah. For, for all of you keeping score at home, yes, Jim Ross did get his Dick Grayson reference in during this match. This was also the match where JR asked if Anna J had a wardrobe malfunction or if that was just wishful thinking on his behalf. <laughs> JR is 68, Anna J is 22, by the way. I'll tell you what, man. What, what's the main ingredient in that barbecue sauce? Horny or what, man? Come on. Come oh, on, man. man. All right. Uh, and by the way, I, I was in tears when Brandy got her spotted, too. Yeah. Oh, man, I'd love to know who laid that out. <laughs> who laid that spot uh, out? Ryan Huffman, uh, <laughs> I know you're wearing your Matt Cardona t-shirt today. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I am. I, uh, you know, I thought it was all right. I'll agree with you. I think it was a little too too long, but um, I think Cabana taking the uh, pin doesn't really hurt Dark Order. I, I foresee him probably not lasting with that group a whole lot longer. Um, I was I was like you guys, I was super happy Dustin Rhodes got the, the pin. I think he's been a very underrated performer for years. Um, I'd be curious to know the last time he's gotten a singles title uh, cha- uh, matchup, but um, maybe he has on AEW, but I'm just trying to reflect back on when he was in WWE. But you know, it, it was it was good. I think it was a good way to get all those guys on the show. Probably the most anticipated match going in, right? FTR and Kenny Omega and Adam Page were wondering, is the breakup going to happen here? They've been building this thing for months and months and months. I think you know we've talked about this on the show that uh, not having 
a full live crowd there. I can't even say not having a live crowd now, but not having a full live crowd there. The storyline has certainly been hurt a little bit because, you know, you go back to, and, and Tim was at Revolution on February 29th. I mean, that crowd was so on the edge of their seats looking for possibly the split to happen after that that excellent, excellent match against the Young Bucks that didn't happen. And to think of it happening um, in a big way in front of a packed arena, it would have been a huge moment. And in fact, what we got here, I don't know that it was an all-out split, really, um, but we just, you know, Kenny just kind of walked out on Paige at the end of the match. So we, we have the title change. Um but I still kind of felt like I was just out of the show. You know, like this match starts and it's like, this is the match I have most looked forward to going into tonight. And I just, I just didn't feel the excitement. And as I watched the match, it was a, it was a really well-worked match again, kind of like the women's match that we just talked about, the singles women's match um, with, uh, with Sheeta and Thunder Rosa. But like, it just, I don't know. It felt to me like it never got off the ground. I know there was people ahead of time talking. Maybe this one could top the match they had with the Bucks back at Revolution. Not even close. Nope. Not even close. Like something was missing here. Uh, the the crowd. This is when I started to notice how dead the crowd was, and I was starting to look up what's the weather like down there. Um, the crowd was out of it. The crowd was really flat. I just I don't know. Like the psychology in the match just wasn't there. Like it, that's like a great a, point. Like I said, I mean, like it was the moves were good and stuff, but it just didn't build from a psychological sense like you would hope. Kyle? No, this was it might have had cool moves, but it was not a smartly worked match Mm. to in front of, you know, a smattering of people. You know, if you've got a full house and you just want to do a bunch of cool moves. okay, that's cool. That could work. This just I this wasn't a well-designed match. I think, for the situation, you know. And again, they didn't know ahead of time that they were going to be coming out and that this pay-per-view was going to be, you know, kind of going off the rails and they might have to save it and have all this pressure on them. Hmm. But, you know, it's tough. When I looked at this card, again, coming in, I'm like, man, you know, people are expecting this to be a match of the year contender. And if it's not, they're going to be disappointed. This wasn't even close to a match of the year contender. No. And what I think also hurt it from a psychological standpoint, was instead of the focus being, hey, these are these two great teams having this big-time world title match, everyone was focused on the Omega-Page split because they'd been so heavy-handed with it ahead of time. And I think that's where people's attention was. Yeah. And and I think that hurt the match. Mm -hmm. I agree, 100%. Tim, as I mentioned, you were at the Revolution match, and I don't know what your expectations were for this one going in. If you thought I had a chance to top what we saw in Chicago when these guys wrestled the Bucks, but what did you make of this match and, and compare it to what you saw in February live? This was definitely not Revival versus uh, DIY. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my expectations were, were up there, but I, I knew it. you could not top what we saw in Chicago back in February that was that was a bar that's just going to be really hard to reach and I figured this would probably be match of the night and it probably is my top match of the show but it did kind of fall short of what I expected it to be Mm -hmm. story story wise I think it did plant a lot of good seeds for the future with 
um, Hangman and Kenny and that feud that's definitely going to happen. And now that FTR has the titles, they can go full steam with their feud with the Bucks. And that's that's the obvious destination that they were going anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to throw it to you, Huffman, in just a second. But just to recap what happened. So FTR wins with the spike pile driver. Um, Kenny had inadvertently hit a V-trigger on Adam Page earlier in the match, kind of taking him out of things. Uh, it was Page that took the spike pile driver for the finish. And then after the match, um, Omega teased hitting Page with a chair. Page, but then he didn't go through with it. Page collapsed towards Kenny in the ring, but Kenny didn't catch him, and Page just kind of fell flat on his face. And then Omega walks out on him uh, while he while Page is laying in the ring. And then backstage, Kenny and the Young Bucks kind of hooked up, and Kenny's storming out of the arena. Kenny's saying, I'm done. And as they left the venue, uh, Kenny gave the Bucks an ultimatum. They get to this car, and uh Kenny says, get in. There's no turning back. They don't. Kenny drives off with his chauffeur. And uh, he talks. Kenny was talking to him about going back to the thing, the way things were. He mentioned the elite and all of that. Uh, but they stayed. Kenny left. Which was kind of weird that the Bucks stayed, given that they were the ones who threw Paige out of the elite last week. Mm-hmm. And we should also mention something I forgot to mention in the opening bat or the quasi opening matches the bucks worked kind of heelish against jurassic express oh yeah we should note that yeah for sure um ryan huffman what did, what did you make of this one yeah i think the the end result is is what people people think about the most they, you got the bucks are going to be lined up against ftr now um and now you'll probably have a hangman versus omega feud coming which I, i'm gonna go back to the comment you guys made here a little bit ago with you know really getting cody and the bucks featured i think hangman and omega um it's really time for them to get back in that main event scene as well and um AEW's done a really good job of building their roster but you think of kind of your original players and and it's really those five and i i think it's it is time for them to to get things going again yeah, I think I think Hangman was arguably the most over guy in the promotion when they still had the full crowds. I mean, people were going crazy yeah. for this guy. So yeah, yeah I mean, I, when this angle initially started, I think we all thought it was designed for him to turn heel, mm-hmm. and then sort of midway through it, I was like, oh, that would be a bad move. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with it. I want to ask you guys something now, because I don't know if you guys noticed this. Or not. I figured FTR was winning. I think we all did. So I thought of it this morning, actually. What do we think about the fact that AEW's men's champions are John Moxley, Brody Lee, and FTR? What do they all have in common? They're WWE. former WWE guys. Mm-hmm. From a perception standpoint, is that an issue? Take the floor, please. I think it is probably an issue. Uh, I, don't, I mean, like, I do see the criticism online and stuff where people say, oh, they're relying too much on on former WWE guys. And I don't necessarily think that that's true. But when you look at the people that have the gold, it gives those people a pretty strong argument. I don't think titles are everything, but I'm not sure that that's, that's a great look for them. Tim, what do you think about that? Yeah, you could probably make that argument, but... 
I mean, just because they came from the WWE doesn't necessarily mean they were WWE guys. Because a lot of wrestlers come from other promotions. I mean, AJ Styles is a good example. He's a TNA guy in WWE. So, I mean, I'm just not sure why the back and forth between different wrestling promotions has to be an issue. If they're good and they're right for the spot, there you go. I, I think it's a question of where AEW is relative to WWE. You you want to avoid kind of the impact perception when impact would just like take any WWE cast off and make them into the next big thing. You do kind of want to avoid that. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to dispute that Jericho was the wrong choice to be the first world champion or that Moxley is the wrong choice to be the current champion. I mean, th- th- those are the right calls. Yeah. And, um, you know, we all knew FTR was going to get the titles. I just think, I think it's just interesting perception-wise to look at. Yeah, I think sometimes just the way the chips fall, you got to go with it. And like you mentioned, those were, those are certainly the right choices at the time. Um, Hoffman, do you think that this is an issue for them? I don't know if it's really an issue. I think it's kind of a double-edged sword where I think if you're AEW trying to draw some outside the company guys in, you almost have to thrust them into a spotlight right away. But then also... I think if you're like a general wrestling fan who's maybe always watched WWE, I think if one of those wrestlers leaves and goes to AEW, you're you're going to be familiar with them right away. So I think that might have play in on why uh, why they're they're getting so much spotlight. I try to think back to like I don't know when a WWE guy would leave and go to WCW how quickly. Uh, they were getting like a title put on them, but that's I sure as hell weren't doing it with Bret Hart. I'll tell you. That uh, much. Oh, <laughs> oh man, well, <laughs> not to open that can yeah. of worms. Well, yeah, but if you were a friend of Hulk Hogan, my God, you got to run the promotion. So <laughs> yes. you know, unfortunately, Bret didn't fall into that category. <laughs> I was just trying to egg on Huffman a little bit. Yeah, there, yeah. I mean, I, I think too. You know, when you're trying to make the comparison to the Monday Night Wars era, a big thing is like Brody Lee and FTR were not stars in the WWE. I think that's something to remember, too. I'm not saying that they're wrong or that this is a huge, a huge problem now, but I think that's something to consider. This isn't like, you know, some major star who was a big-time headliner for WWE coming over and winning the AEW title. These were people and acts that were generally not featured at the top of the card mm-hmm. or anywhere close, for that matter. Does NXT count? No. I mean, FTR was like the top tag team for like what, almost an entire year? Yeah, but again, I mean, that's NXT. Yeah. Uh, they're the third pillar, I guess. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting discussion. Yeah, I'd, I'd call them a top act. Granted, they weren't used properly on Raw and SmackDown, but well, that's... Yeah. You, you can make the argument once they brought them up, they, they did a lot of harm to them, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and AEW, you know, and that's another interesting debate to be had. AEW seems to feel, right, wrong, or otherwise, that they can take these misused WWE talents and feature them in the proper way in their promotion. And I think the question is always going to be, to what Ryan just said, is the damage that is, quote-unquote, damage that's done to these acts on the WWE main roster too much to overcome perception-wise? Yeah. I don't know. We shall see. Yeah. Uh, a couple updates here. I've been, I mean, like I said a little bit ago, I've been staying tuned to uh, what's coming out of Tony Khan's 
press conference, and uh, he's been out there now. We have some updates on what's been happening there. And as you would imagine, he was asked about Matt Hardy pretty much right off the bat. So uh, Tony comes out and he says health and safety is of utmost importance. What happened was Matt took a fall, he st- and then Tony says he stopped the match out of concern. Uh, Tony Khan says when the doctor cleared him, the match continued. Tony says he just talked to him and said he's okay. Uh, Then Justin Barrasso of Sports Illustrated asked for a follow-up on Matt Hardy. Tony said there was a good amount of time to make a decision to continue the match. Matt did not pressure him. Uh, Says, there's a typo in the report I'm reading here. Says he would not have been pressured either way. So, uh, interesting. I, I mean, it seemed to happen pretty quickly. Uh, Tony says there was a good amount of time, though, to, to make the decision. So. I mean, yeah, all there was was what they threw to those the announcers. Yeah. And they did a little spiel, and then the match just kind of restarted. I mean, yeah, it was, what, two minutes tops? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm reading, uh, so my colleague over at Comic Book, Connor Casey, he's got a pretty good report up on his Twitter page. He quotes Tony... Tony said, I was scared for Matt. I've never had the bell ring on a match before. He says it was a scary moment. He loved the rest of the show, though, and he praised the main event heavily. Uh, John Alba asked about Matt's stunt after getting passed by the concussion protocol, so the finish where they climbed the structure by the, uh, the entranceway. Tony said he was extremely concerned about that. That's why he paused it until he got clearance that it was okay. So, well, the one thing I was going to add in, um, earlier in the match is uh, after they called it and they stood up and started going toward the ring and then Matt started speaking and did his whole delete spiel, he seemed like he was pretty coherent and was able to actually act and do his lines, mm-hmm. you know, that he would for, you know, his normal promo. So, like, that between that point and when they actually climbed the structure, it might have been just enough time for them to gauge his cognitive abilities and to see if okay he's he seems all right at least do a finish and just stop this thing yep uh tony was also asked about running their shows indoors versus outdoors because he was asked about the heat that we've been talking about tonight um my colleague connor asked about the humidity and if there was an update on performing indoors to which tony khan said they're allowed to go indoors but outdoors is their choice He said they push hydration and always have plentiful supplies of water. He says, despite the heat, it's better to be outdoors given the COVID situation, which Which is is true. True. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you can also have plenty of mimosa on hand as well. Yes. Which, which was the next match, Chris Jericho and orange Cassidy, the mimosa mayhem match. Um, In my notes, I said, these guys have to be begging to jump into the mimosa pools at this point. 86% humidity feels like 91 at nearly 11 PM. Eastern. So, Orange Cassidy did get the win. Uh, He used the orange punch to send Jericho into the mimosa pool to seal the win. Uh, I mean, it was not going to be a great match given the stipulation, but I thought it was was fairly entertaining. Uh, Ryan, Huffman, what did you think of this one? Um, Entertainment-wise, I thought it was was okay. It made me really uh, actually happy to hear actual fans singing Judas again. That was the loudest the crowd was the whole show. I, I think that that part of it actually might have made my night. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It'd be it'd be interesting to to get everybody's take on if WWE did a Mimosa Mayhem match 
how how that would get grilled versus if AEW did. Um, I think the right winner, um, although like you said here a minute ago, the going into the actual pool I think would make you the winner in eighty six degrees <laughs> weather. But right, um, I don't know. I think Orange Cassidy. I think he's he's obviously going to be a big star. Um, you know, Jericho's the current star, and to have have Jericho uh, run this program with him, I think's been been a lot of fun. Tim, when the last time we went to Chicago together, we stopped at Pro Wrestling Tees, and you were specifically looking for an Orange Cassidy t-shirt, so I know you're a fan of this guy. What did you make of this one? It was kind of what I expected. I didn't think it was going to be, like, the greatest match, like, in history based on the stipulation, and it's kind of basically what you expected it to be. It was fine. It wasn't great. And getting Orange the win... But also protecting Jericho at the same time by not taking a pin or submission. Yeah, yeah. Based on the, yeah, based on the uh, stipulation here, Kyle. Yeah, the stipulation was a fun, nice way for Jericho to put Orange Cassidy over a second time without losing anything. Mm-hmm. And you know, give Jericho credit; he put the guy over twice. Yeah. Uh, the second match was not very good. Um, I don't know if that was a Sturgis hangover, or what that was, but uh, nevertheless, Orange Cassidy's in a much better spot now place now on the card than he was even what well he start. what was when did he really start to break out it, was it the match at revolution yeah that yeah. you guys were at yeah, yeah the end of, so you know I, I was gonna say six months but it's uh, truthfully he started heating up more than uh, you know inside of six months so whatever but no he, he's in a better place now than he was last year yeah absolutely that was a great match to see in person mm-hmm Oh, the the revolution match. Yeah, the uh, with Pack. Yeah, yeah, Pack and Orange. I mean, the crowd probably made him that night. Oh man, he was top three or five most over. <laughs> like he was in the top five for sure. But he wasn't top four. <laughs> I'd say he was. He was. Easy, he was next to number one. Like, I mean, him, he was up there. Yeah. I'd, I mean, it's debatable between him, Moxley, and Adam Page. Yeah. Yeah. So that brings us to the main event. Well, well, what about Ryan's point about if WWE did a match like this? Oh, yeah. Are are we being biased? You know, we, we we've gotten the questions before. The questions we're too afraid that we might be too afraid to answer. Ryan, remember that email? What yeah. a beauty email that was. Oh yeah. <laughs> answer answer <laughs> answer if, if you dare. dare was the answer if you line. dare about AEW bias? Um, yeah, I, I think the points well taken. If WWE did this. Um, people would maybe roll their eyes. But the thing is, this match was fine. And WWE kind of does comedy matches very poorly, generally speaking. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 was, it was fine for what it was. But you're, the, the po- if WWE did it, yeah, people would be um, rolling eyes. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Good point, Ryan, for sure. Also, isn't it funny that every time we have guests on this show, it seems to always be a play on Kyle or Ryan. <laughs> We've got <laughs> Ryan Huffman on here, so I'm Ryan throwing to Ryan, or when we had Kyle Ryan on, it's yeah, like a that's mix it. Of yeah, our the, with Kyle Ryan, it's like insane. It's like, yeah, <laughs> man, I, the Kyles and the Ryans love Top Rope Nation. I love it. No confusion whatsoever. Um, all right, so this brings us to the main event. Uh, we kind of hit on this at the top of the show, but again, uh, Moxley and MJF, I thought this was a really good match. Best match of the show. I, I would have to ask you guys, do you think they're o- going overboard 
with the blood? Are they doing blood too much in AEW? What do you think, Kyle? No, I don't. It just I seems like it happens it, quite a lot. Does it? I just, I don't know. I, I feel like it. they've done it on TV. Yeah, they do it on I pay-per-view. Mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, as someone who kind of grew up seeing it on a somewhat regular, well, yeah, I mean, seeing I'm not, it on a somewhat regular basis. I mean, it's not, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, MJF definitely did a gusher tonight. I'll say that it, it was one of the manlier blade jobs the promotions seen. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying I think they do, but I've seen some discussion on this, so I thought it was worth talking about. I did see it, say on the show that we did last week after Dynamite that I, I don't really like the spot where you're rubbing the guy's blood all over your face or even biting their forehead filled with blood, and they did that in this match too. That I'm. That doesn't. I don't like that. But I, I don't know. Like like you, Kyle. We grew up in an era where there was a lot of blood. So it, just having blood out there doesn't bother me. But sometimes the way it's done can make me feel uncomfortable in this day and age. So I don't know. Just a. What do you guys think? What do you think, Tim? Too much blood in AEW. Not really. I mean, it's kind of refreshing in an odd way to actually see like color again in wrestling because with WWE anytime like you'd see blood they would stop the match mm-hmm. or you know like in replays it would just be in black and white so you can't really tell that something happened oh in the last several years the way that they've done uh, that I mean yeah. I mean with the with the PG era and them being like so nervous with blood it's it's kind of nice to see it again after like what 10 plus years of it being gone you mean seeing WrestleMania 13 in black and white pictures doesn't do it for you? It's just strange. <laughs> like anytime you see like a YouTube video of like a WWE match and then they cut to black and white like midway just because, you know, there was blood. Yeah. Yeah. This is a blood and guts promotion, remember according to Vince McMahon? Oh yes, that's right. And you know, Tim brings up a a good point. Yeah, coming from uh eye for an eye or whatever that match was <laughs> yeah. called. Yeah. Yeah. And but Tim makes a good point that I think the frequency of blading you see in AEW, maybe it feels a little bit more because WWE doesn't do it. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, there's blood. And like you, you kind of have that natural reaction where it's like, oh, you don't see this on WWE. And I guess if, you know, you think back and you've had that thought enough times, you're like, man, maybe there is, maybe they are overdoing it. I don't know if they are for the record. It doesn't feel like they are mm-hmm. personally. Uh, Ryan Huffman, what do you think about blood and wrestling in 2020? I think it has its it still has its place. Um, I'm gonna agree with you. I, I think the biting uh, when they're bleeding, I think, is a little over the top. Uh, mm. But again, I don't know. It, I, being a Bret Hart fan, WrestleMania 13 that that kind of helped make the match. So uh, okay. it has its place. Yeah. What did we think about the finish that the babyface still won with the finisher that was banned? So I like this. I thought it was creative. So um, yeah, obviously that was a stipulation was the paradigm shift was banned. And so Wardlow gets up onto the ring apron to distract the ref. And as he did so, he threw the diamond, the dynamite diamond ring to MJF, who was going to use it. And as he was about to use it, he's staring face to face at John Moxley, and so with the ref turned around, Moxley saw his opening, and he, in fact, did hit the paradigm shift. While the ref wasn't looking, if the ref had seen him, he would have lost the world title, but in fact, the ref didn't see it. 
He covers, gets the pinfall. I mean, I thought I thought that if you're going to have Moxley retain, that was a pretty creative finish. I like it. And it kind of gives MJF an out yes. for losing. And plus, um, we should mention, it was kind of an errant toss by Wardlow. And one would assume down the line we're headed for some sort of split there with Wardlow going babyface against MJF. Mm-hmm. So they, I did like too how they had uh, Lance Archer out in the crowd during this. So they kept cutting to him, knowing that you know he won the battle royale earlier in the night, and he's got the title shot on the horizon. So after Moxley retained, they talked about that match being in our future, and they and they cut kind of back and forth between the two. Those two, of course, I said this earlier. They wrestled at Wrestle Kingdom earlier this year and had a, a pretty good match, not a blowaway match, but a pretty good match. So. I think, you know, if, the, if that is a future pay-per-view match or wherever they do it, they announce full gear for, I think, November, was it November 7th uh, this year? They just announced the date tonight for that one. That's our next outing on pay-per-view. I mean, I think it could be a pretty good pay-per-view match, and uh, I think they've done well by uh, setting this one up. Uh, Tim, Do you what... think that's going to be the pay-per-view main event, or do, you, do we think it might be a match on Dynamite? That's interesting, because they did the Brian Cage thing on Dynamite. Um I would probably do it on pay-per-view, to be honest with you, because if they're going to keep doing this Casino Battle Royale thing, I think if you do the match on a pay-per-view, it makes it seem a little bit more prestigious, if that makes sense, You know, to, to build it for a couple of months rather than just doing it on a Wednesday night show. I know it'll probably help them the ratings and everything to do that. What do you think, Kyle? I don't know. I mean, I guess it. <laughs> the answer... Um, would be, well, what else do they have planned? And I don't know that. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, if they have something better for a world title match, I mean, then, yeah, it would make sense to do on TV, but I, I don't know what they have, what the thought process is and moving forward. To be honest, you know, without the the full live crowds, without touring, without the, the ticket sales and stuff, I'm not sure it matters that much, to be honest, I in mean, this era. Who else do they have on the heel side that is kind of ready to slide into that world title shot opportunity? Because coming off of revolution mjf had beaten cody and his neck tattoo so you knew he was gonna get a shot moving forward um but you know jericho just lost orange cassidy so he's probably not gonna get it Mm -hmm. Uh, and i i don't know who else you might have in that spot if they don't do lance archer kenny omega at a revolution yeah build up the heel kenny yeah for sure i mean kenny did seem like he's going heel the way that they worked that yes for sure i could see that give uh you give moxley the full year title reign there i don't don't think you know we we talked about this and i said again i i kind of reluctantly picked mjf because i felt like long term that was the direction they were going but without the crowd it kind of made it kind of hard to predict but at this point why not give i don't i don't see why moving forward you would take the title off of moxley at this point so no, not until yeah, like not until Omega is a fully formed heel yeah. would you think about doing that. And by the way, did Tim not like my idea for Babyface Warlow? <laughs> I see I that. See, in the I chat. see the notes. Yeah, I see that in the notes. He, I, I get baby. I get there's Babyface Wardlow question mark. <laughs> Am I not watching the TV correct? I, I I assume that's kind of the direction they're going in. Yeah, I think so too. But. It- he doesn't seem like a, a baby face in the classical sense, maybe, but unless he's like going to be the Dave Batista style baby face, you know. I mean, that, I mean, I would assume he's going to get the brow beating from MJF, and that's how they're going to turn him. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like 
you get a little sympathy for the big man. You know, he's, you know, talk shit too. Yeah, I mean, the Batista comparison is actually quite excellent. Yeah, yeah. So that's how the show ended. That is That was AEW All Out from Jacksonville, Florida. You guys can let us know what you thought. Send us an email, topropenation at gmail.com. Of course, you can uh, tweet us at Top Rope Nation. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and as we've talked about kind of sporadically throughout the program, look up the Facebook group. Uh, of course, myself and Kyle and Justin were all pretty active on there, and Ryan Huffman and Tim Jensen, they're on the on the Facebook group as well. So every single day there's posts going up. We can interact, talk pro wrestling. Look for Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling Discussion on Facebook. Join the group and join the conversation. Anything else about this pay-per-view that we didn't talk about you guys wanted to say before we uh, hit the road tonight? Biggest cluster since Lake Travis. <laughs> <laughs> follow, t- follow follow Kyle on Twitter for some Clay Travis uh, takes at TRP Kyle. No, no, Lake Travis. So, t- don't get me started oh, on Clay said, Travis. I thought you said Clay Travis. That would have no, been funnier. No, don't get me started on that walking oh, piece of cow dung. I thought that's okay? what you said. <laughs> no, on Lake Travis. Didn't you see what happened on Lake Travis this oh, afternoon? Oh, the boat sinking. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the boat sank. Oh, yeah. God, I hope that's a metaphor. Oh, wow. <laughs> Well, both of them coming from you are funny, but I, I really thought you said Clay Travis, and we were about to go down a rabbit hole. So, don't get me started. You can follow you can follow Kyle for these takes at TRP Kyle. I know that neither Ryan Huffman or Tim Jensen are on Twitter. So usually, this is where we throw it to the guests and say where can we find you and everything. But I do have to say, it was fun having you guys join us. We've yes. been wanting to do this for a while, and. Uh, you know, I've talked about it on the show before. We had Kyle Ryan on, and I said we'd, we'd like to bring patrons of the show on, give them a chance to get their voice out there on the podcast. And these, I think these pay-per-view post shows are a good time to do that. So first, Ryan Huffman, thank you, man. It was it was great meeting you last summer and staying in contact and, and talking pro wrestling. We'll have to do this again. Definitely. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, love listening to your guys' show every, every week, and uh, looking forward to maybe doing this again down the road. Thank you, sir. And uh, Tim Jensen, as I said, the uh, the official designer of Top Rope Nation. You guys, you'll, you'll see his work when you're looking down at your phone listening to this podcast. If you have any of our t-shirts, you're wearing his work on your chest. So, Tim, I got to thank you for your support of, of Top Rope Nation after, over the last, geez, I guess over four years now. And uh, thank you for coming on the show tonight, sir. Has it only been four years? Seems like longer than that. <laughs> Sometimes it does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Tim did not do Cody's neck tattoo, by the way. He did the not. Record. Okay. <laughs> he was there though, so maybe there's a conspiracy theory out there. Okay. Well, hey, I might I might have had a part in that, but I can't verify. That. Oh. <laughs> Uh, all right guys this has been a fun show you can find me at ryan drosty that's d-r-o-s-t-e on twitter and uh, we will be catching you on thursday morning have a good week peace The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, 
Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Thank you.